0: Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to your word today and we st- study in the life of Abram, Lord, we just acknowledge today, Lord, our failures and how apt we are, Lord, to falter in our faith how apt we are to let sin come into our lives and draw us off mission to draw us away from obedience and Lord we pray that you would give us strength to rise up our failures to press on in your word to press on in your mission, Lord. Give us strength in your power. This I pray in Christ's name, amen. You have your Bibles with you this morning. Turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we'll be looking at uh, verses 10. Genesis chapter 12 verse 10 through 131. Genesis 10 through 131. As we continue looking at the life of Abraham, at this time he is still called Abram. He has not been given a new name from God yet. So he is Abram. Last week we looked at uh, God's call to Abraham, his call to faith, and Abram was There in the land of his raising, in the land of Ur, and God came to him and said, Abram, leave your father's house. Leave all the things that you are are trusting in. Leave your safety and the security of your father's house and go to a land in which I will show you and which I will give your offspring after you. So Abram, we saw last week, he got up he left out, and he went to the land, and that led to him actually seeing God. God appeared to him there in the land, and it led to Abram worshiping the Lord his God and leaving a witness there in the land of Canaan. Well, from that high point, today we look at a valley in the life of Abram. If you would stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say, you are my sister." That it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for my, for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, and when the prince of the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her uh, and for her sake he dealt well. With Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, uh, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. Amen. A hey, Lord I have blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. But today, as we look at the journey of faith, we look at the faltering faith of Abram and the faithfulness of God. Between every mountaintop is a valley. A couple of years ago, um, some friends and I went up to Eagle Rock Loop, that's the longest loop in Arkansas. That's a, a hiking trail. It's the longest loop in Arkansas. It is actually uh, 27 miles in length. So you start at one corner, you loop around 27 miles with six massive peaks along the way to, to trudge over. Uh, I found, we did that trail. We, our goal was to do it in just two days. And so we... Headed out, and we did that. I found out later that it's, it's rated to be like a three to four day. <laughs> so we were, we were just fighting to get through this trail in two days because we all, it was preacher buddies of mine, so we all had churches to get to Sunday. And so Sunday, Saturday night, we had to be back at the trucks one way or the other. So we humped it out, and, and we did it. But, you know, as we, as we would climb up those six, those six peaks, Oh, man, it was tough getting up to the top. I mean, they were, some of them were almost straight up. But man, once you got up there to the mountaintop, you look out across there, and it was just beautiful. Just absolutely breathtaking. And we would get up to the top of each of those those peaks, each of those ridges, and we would just sit down, and we would look out across the beauty of God's creation. And we would see the the uh, eagles and the hawks soaring below us. Uh, I mean, it was just beautiful. Absolutely breathtaking. But there came a time where we had to take off off of the mountain peak and go back down into the valleys. And you know what's down in the valleys? There's rivers to cross. There, There's mud to Kind of wade through. That's the way it is in the Christian life, isn't it? Christian life is actually marked by, by many mountaintop experiences where we, we meet God and he is there and he is real to us and, and we get just full of his spirit and, and we have this high. But the thing is, in this life, we can never stay on the mountain peak. We've got to come down into the valleys. We got to cross some rivers. We got to trudge through some mud pits. We got to get on with life and always looking for that next mountain peak. Sometimes when we're down there in the the valleys, trudging through the mud, unfortunately, when we're down there, sometimes our faith may falter. When the temptations come flooding in, And we don't seem to feel God. Sometimes we're going to fail. We're going to fall down face first in the mud. And we're going to get dirty. But here's a wonderful truth that we see in the life of Abraham. That though at times our faith may falter, God's faithfulness never fails. Even when our faith falters, God's faithfulness never, ever fails. So let's look at that truth this morning and be strengthened by it. First, we see in life that our faith may indeed falter. Our faith may indeed falter. Look here at the life of Abraham. Think about what Abram has just just experienced. Abram was a pagan in a foreign land. He was a common man, nothing nothing extraordinary about him. He He was in his 70s when the Lord first spoke to him. He had done nothing great for the Lord, or at least Scripture doesn't show us that he did anything great for the Lord up to this time. He was an ordinary man. He was a pagan. He was an idolater, worshiping the moon god there in the land of Ur. And God called him out of that. God came to Abram and He called him out. And said Abram, "Calling you out of this land, and I'm going to take you down to a land that I'm going to give your offspring after you." Here, Abram experienced God. He 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 was on a mountaintop. And it only got better. He, he trudged on to the, the land of Canaan. And, and at first there, in the first of chapter 12, it says God spoke to him. But you notice there, as he goes on down into the land of Canaan, there in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram. So the Lord spoke to Abram in the land of Ur. Then he appeared to him in the land of Canaan. And that led to a, a great mountaintop experience for Abram where he <clears throat> built these altars throughout the land and he worshipped God and he, he witnessed to, about God. He was on a high, right? He had experienced God and it was awesome. Then Abram had to come off the mountain. Life happened. Things got real as famine came into the land. The climate there in, in the land of Canaan is, is such that uh, if, if they fail to get the, the spring rains and the fall rains, if they fail to get the rains in their right times, then what happens? The, the land dries up and, and they're unproductive. And that's what's taken place as as they come into this land. They saw that it was beautiful and it was wonderful. And then a famine struck. Now there's no pasture land to to graze his flocks, and he's he's looking for somewhere else to go so that he can find food for himself, his family, and his all of his flocks. Life happened. Temptations came. There's time to waller in the mud a bit. And so what does Abram do? He Well, he does what he has to do. He goes to the land of Egypt. Scripture doesn't fault him for that. He's looking for a place that the, the famine hasn't affected. And he goes down to Egypt where he can find refuge there. He can find food and water. That's where he goes. But what happens when he gets there? See, see that's where his faith begins to falter. It's when he gets to Egypt. What happens? How does Abram's faith falter? Well, as he enters into the land, first of all, Abram failed to fear God rather than man. Abram uh, failed to fear God rather than man. He says there, now, I'll skip down a little bit from that, he told us, His wife, Sarai, Sarai, I know that you are a woman, a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. And Abram comes up with the scheme. Here's what we're going to do then, Sarai. We're going to tell people that you're not my wife, but you're my sister, Now, we're going to find out later this was a half-truth, as Sarai was Abram's half-sister. I know that's not right according to our standards, but you remember we're only about, uh, I believe it was uh, 400 years after the flood. And so after the flood, yeah, brothers had to marry sisters, and that sort of thing happened. And so Abram was married to his half-sister, Sarai. So it was a half-truth. But you see, they didn't tell the whole truth. Let's tell them that you're my sister. That way I can live. Now, this was a real concern for, for Abram. You have to understand, this wasn't just kind of, some kind of like, something that he came up with. It, it wasn't like uh, it really wasn't a concern, but he was concerned. No, this was a real concern. This was something that happened in that day. And that day, if you went into a foreign land and the king was there, and the kings, they got what they wanted. If you were a king, if you wanted it, you got it. And so if you can't come into a foreign country and the king sees your wife and he likes your wife, guess what? He's going to take your wife. He's probably going to kill you in the process. We see this happen in the Bible, by the way about King David man after God's own heart he looked across the town of Jerusalem and he saw Bathsheba he said I gotta have her and he took her he brought her into his house and then he had her husband Uriah put at the front of the line in battle so that he would be killed So even David did this very thing that Abram was afraid of. So it was a real concern for Abram. But you see what Abram's problem was? Even though he had experienced God, even though he had seen God, God had appeared to him in the land of Canaan. Though he had heard God's promises, Abram, I'm going to bless you. And you will be a blessing. And those who who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. Even though God had made Abram this promise, he looked at Pharaoh and he said, I am going to fear Pharaoh rather than fearing God. How often are we tempted to do that very same thing? Look at this world that we live in. Oh, we can say here in America that in the past years, we've had it kind of easy, haven't we? Things have kind of gone our way, but now they're not so much, are they? <laughs> the tides are beginning to turn, and in our society, our culture here in America is becoming more secularized. And so the wave is shifting against the Christian. In times where we've had so much Freedom and liberty now, little by little, that freedom and that liberty is being taken away, taken away, taken away. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do when they say you can no longer say anything bad about homosexuality? What are we going to say when they say that you can no longer call homosexuality sin? What are we going to do when they say you can no longer call uh, transgenderism sin? What are we going to do when they say we can't say sin is sin anymore? Are we going to fear God rather than man? Or will we bend to what man says? When they come into your business and tell you you can't live according to your conscience your religious conscience and you have to serve that same sex wedding what are you going to do if they threaten to to take your business away and find you large fines what are you going to do Many people falter under such pressure. Many people do what their conscience tells them not to do, and they fear man rather than God. But honestly, we've all done that in some ways. We are really honest with ourselves. If we really begin to examine our lives, we begin to think about how many times have I allowed the fear of man to make me do one thing when I know God wanted me to do something else? How many times have you failed? I'll be honest, I've failed many times in my life, just like Abram. Unfortunately, we're going to fail at times. At times, we will fear man rather than God. Jesus tells us, however, and we need to remember this, Jesus says in Matthew 10, verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Students, when you face peer pressure, remember that. Parents, when you face peer pressure, remember that. Yes, parents do experience peer pressure. Mary Beth and I experience peer pressure all the time. And so will you. Grandparents, when you face peer pressure, remember that. We are to fear God rather than man. Because only God can destroy our soul. Man may kill the body. The government may come and take your business. The government may come and take your house. The government may kick you out and put you out with nothing. The government may even put you to death. But what else can the government do? What else can anyone do? God is in control of all of eternity. Only God can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. Remember that. Learn from that. So Abram, he failed to fear God rather than man. Second, Abram failed to trust God, didn't he? He failed to trust God. Abram had that that mountaintop experience where the Lord, his God, says, Abram, look at what I'm going to do for you. And it felt good, and it felt wonderful. And he heard the promises of God. Look what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to give you an offspring. Abram and Sarah hadn't had offspring up to this point. They were in their 70s, and they hadn't had a child. Most people would think their bearing days are over. They thought that. But God said, I'm going to give you offspring. And not only that, but I'm going to give your offspring this land, the land of Canaan. He heard God's promises Oh, how, how could he then look to Egypt, look to Pharaoh and said, uh-oh, Pharaoh might put a kink in God's promise. You see, that's what he did. Pharaoh might kill me. And then that would just totally mess up God's promise. He failed to trust God. He failed to trust God. We need not fail trust to fail. We need not to fail in trusting God. God's promises are God's promises, and God's promises never fail. God never fails. He is all powerful. He spoke all of creation into being. He said, Let there be, and there was. He says, Day after day, let them continue to breathe, and we continue to breathe. All of the world, all of creation is in the palm of His hand. He can do with it what He will. And he has promised us all of eternity in his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, let us not forget the promises of God. Abram failed to trust God. Third, Abram failed to be a blessing. Abram failed to be a blessing. You know, remember back there last week, remember God's promise God said, you will be, Abram, you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Yet when Abram goes to the land of Egypt because of his sin, because of his lack of trust in God, verse 17 says, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house. Abram, instead of being a blessing to the families of the earth, is now become a curse to Pharaoh and his house. Abram failed to be a blessing. He was there. God had t- taken him down to Egypt, and he could have witnessed to the faithful, faithfulness of God there in the land of Egypt. He could have witnessed to the faithfulness of God before Pharaoh, but he failed. And instead of being a blessing to Egypt and to Pharaoh, Abram became a curse. What about our community? What about our community? Think about this. Is our community being blessed by God because of us? Are we being a blessing are we taking the word of life out to our community and letting people live, showing people, giving people direction to the truth of the gospel so that they may live? Are we being a blessing? Or are we staying all bottled up here among ourselves, withholding the gospel that can save so that they remain in a life that is cursed? We've got to be a blessing, not a curse. How are you in your relationships with other people? How many times in your life have you been in a place where you could have told someone the truth about Jesus Christ and failed to do so because you thought they might get mad at you? Or that might cause a a kind of a disturbance in our relationship that that, you, you know when we fail to tell people the truth when we fail to tell people the glorious good news of jesus christ guess what we don't become a blessing to them we become a curse to them we have the message of life And we are to give it to the world. Go, Jesus says, make disciples of all peoples. Baptizing them and teaching them all that I have taught you. How often have you failed in your walk with Christ by being a curse rather than a blessing? The terrible truth is that Often, we falter in our faith. We look at our lives. Our lives are full of failures. And we can get down and out about that, but here is the glorious truth. While our faith may falter, God's faithfulness never, ever fails. God's faithfulness never fails. You see here in the life of Abram, Uh, What happened to Abram? Even though he had faltered in his faith, even though he had all of these failures, what happened? And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. That includes that all that Pharaoh had given him. (laughs) Pharaoh piled up blessings upon Abram even though Abram uh, came to be a curse to him. You see, we need to understand that God's blessings are not conditioned upon our obedience. Get that. All right? Get that. God's blessings are not conditioned upon our obedience, but they are conditioned upon His promise. You see, we can look at our failures and think, oh my goodness, how could God ever love me? But I. God's promises are not conditioned upon our obedience. They are conditioned upon His promise. Listen, listen. listen. If, if God's blessings were conditioned upon our obedience, we would have no blessings. We would all be cursed. That's what we deserve, each and every one of us. We deserve the curse. But God made a promise. And he sent his son to fulfill that promise. The promise that he gave Abraham. He sent his son to fulfill that promise. And Jesus went to the cross and died. He received the curse that we deserve. So that we could receive the blessings that he deserved. You see we're going to have failures. We will falter in our faith. We will have failures in our walk with Christ. But understand that God's promises. They're not conditioned on our obedience. They're not conditioned upon our ability to, to, to do what God has called us to do. They're based upon what God has done in Jesus Christ on our behalf. God's faithfulness never, ever fails now, there's a truth here that we need to point out. This is an important point that is, that is made clear in this text. What is the purpose of chapter 12? What is the purpose? Why do we see God coming to Abram and promising him this, that he will be a blessing and that through him, in him, all the families of the earth will be blessed. But yet, here we come to chapter, verse 17, but the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Because we need to understand in Scripture, even in the Old Testament here, this Scripture, this, the point here, and this is the big point, is that Abram was not the blessing. Get that. Abram was not the blessing. You see, Scripture does that over and over again. You start reading through the Old Testament, and you start seeing over and over again, God shows us people like Abram, but Abram failed. He failed to be a blessing. Isaac failed. Jacob failed. His 12 sons failed. David, whom God made another covenant with, David failed. They all failed. That's all to point us to one who would come and would not fail. See, the point of chapter 12 is to point us to Jesus Christ. Abram wasn't the blessing. God's son, Jesus Christ, is the blessing. And it's through Jesus that all the families of the earth will be blessed. Not Abram. It's in him. It's through him, in the line of Abram. But it comes down to the blessing in Jesus Christ. You see, it's not about us. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. He did it all. He accomplished it all. There's nothing more to accomplish. Yes, we're called to obedient faith in Him, but it's, our blessings are not based upon our obedience. They're based upon His obedience and what He has accomplished. Though though our faith may falter, God's faithfulness never fails. Finally, here's what I want you to see. This is the take-home. When your faith falters, trust in God's faithfulness. When your faith falters, trust in God's faithfulness. You see, because here's the problem. When we fail, Satan is right there to say, look at you. Look at how evil you are. How could God love you? How could you ever do anything for God? And Satan wants to keep us oppressed with our failures. But God gives us freedom from our failures. Because it's not about our failures. It's not about our obedience. It's about Jesus. God, you see, he will take our failures and he will use even them for our good. This past week I've been reading the life of Joseph. Remember Joseph's brothers? They sold Joseph into slavery. But when you come to the end there, Joseph said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Though the brothers failed... God said, I'm going to take that failure and I'm going to use it for their good and I'm going to bring them out of of famine and I'm going to take them to the land of Egypt where Joseph's going to be and Joseph's going to be able to take care of them. You see, God used their failure for their good. He can use your failure for your good as well. God works all things together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Don't be wounded, don't be cast down because of your failures, but look to God's faithfulness. Grow from it. Learn how to to resist sin. Learn how to, to get out above the failures. Learn to grow in God and trust in Jesus Christ. God's faithfulness never fails though your faith at times may falter dear friend trust in God's never failing faithfulness it's not about you it's not about what you have done nor is it about what you will do in the future It's all about what Christ has already done on your behalf whatever lies behind Paul says Paul says Whatever's back there, I leave it behind me. And I press on to the goal of the prize that's in Jesus Christ. Dear friend, whatever is in your past, learn from it and leave it back there. Trust in Jesus. Drive for Jesus. Live for Jesus. Don't let Satan push you down. We are more than conquerors. Christ Jesus our Lord. Though your faith may falter, trust in God's faithfulness which never fails. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 and I'll close with this. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how would he not also with him graciously give us all things? All of our blessings all of our blessings are in Christ and one day when Christ returns we'll have all of the blessings of God pour out upon us if we trust in Jesus oh Heavenly Father Lord we thank you that Lord as we look in the Bible we don't see perfect saints because Lord we know that we are definitely not perfect Lord I'm grateful for people like Abram and I'm thankful for you for showing me their failures because Lord God I know I failed you time and time again in my walk And Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. But Lord, I know in your promise that in Christ Jesus, you have forgiven me. Lord, let us not get beat down by our failures. But let us be lifted up by your promise. Oh Lord, there are those today I know in this place they are struggling and there's sin in their life that they've been unable to let go of and Satan's been using that to, to hold them back. Lord, release them today. Let them know the promise of Jesus Christ. Let them trust in Jesus and find the strength that is in Him alone. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.